Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Hello. And this is Stuff You Should Know. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. Indeed. So, Chuck, how you doing? I'm good and well. Yourself? Oh, that's enough banter. <laughs> okay. Chuck, you know that I've been arrested a couple of times. Uh, I do know that, and I have not, as you know. And you're very fortunate. It's not a pleasant experience. I'm sure. Uh, you get booked. Yes. Right? They fingerprint you. Sure. They make fun of how fat you look. They take all the things out of your pockets. Yep. And keep them. Not yeah, forever. No, they give them back. Yeah. They uh, carefully catalog everything except any $100 bills you have on you. Do you have a mugshot? I do. And actually, uh, when they took my mugshot, I was smiling and they thought it was funny. So they blew it out full size and <laughs> hung it on the uh, processing uh, center wall. Really? Yeah. Now, do you actually have that? They don't give you a copy of that, do they? I do. Really? Yeah, I asked for a copy. You should I have see to go if you're, find it somewhere. Yeah, you should see if you're famous enough to get on the... Uh... Smoking gun? Yeah, the smoking gun. Yeah, I'm not. You're not. <laughs> No. People but, would be like, who? Yeah, there, there is a mugshot out there, so if anything ever happens to us, then... It'll it'll surface, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm here to tell you that uh, you can get out of jail if your bail is set at like $5,000 okay. and all you have is 500 It's not a bad deal. No, especially if you have a friend who's willing to come lend you $500 to get out. Yeah, sure. But how would you do that, Chuck? How, what kind of sense does that make if your, if your bail, the amount... That's required to release you from jail until your court date. Yeah, uh, is five thousand dollars. How can you get out for five hundred? Well, I would I would think that that's some sort of uh, security type of deposit. Kind of, yeah. Or maybe you a could surety make... deposit. Yeah, maybe. Are we talking about bail? We're talking about bond, buddy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just wanted to officially introduce the bail show. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a two parter here, right? Yes. This was uh, brought to our attention by listener Steve who uh, saw a little NPR thing on bail, and Josh happened to hear the same one, right? Yeah. And found it very interesting, right? Yeah, it was a three-part um, It was a three-part series on NPR from uh, Laura Sullivan, uh-huh. who really got to the heart of the matter and uh, kind of exposed a, a pretty serious racket that's going on here in the United States that unfairly yeah. burdens the poor. Well, we'll get to that, but we want to cover bail first, and then... Part two of this series will be Bounty Hunters. Right. So when we don't talk about that dog jerk in this podcast, don't send us an email. Wait two days. Yeah. And you'll hear all about him. Yeah. Okay. So like I said, Chuck, bail is basically um, money that you exchange to the court in return for your freedom after you're arrested, right? Yeah. how this all start? Well, frankly, uh, it started a long time ago, Chuck. It started in the 13th century, um, I believe the UK. Okay, I was about to say we weren't around back then. No, we weren't. But uh, it started in, in the UK um, in the 13th century where so, uh, a surety, a surety is uh, somebody who assures your bond, your bail, right, Uh huh. Um, was actually a person rather than money. Well, it used to be a person. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And they would actually hang in your place if you skip bail. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, somebody really had to love you to to stand in as your your surety, your your bail. I bet that didn't happen a lot back then. No, I wouldn't. That think would be so. my guess. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, if uh, the person who was arrested was like a quadruple amputee. Sure. Then 
I'm sure that you could find somebody who is a surety. But other than that, I, I don't know. I don't know that I would have put myself up. Right. And so then uh, habeas corpus comes along. Yeah. In the 17th century, right? Yep. And that basically established uh, terms for bail. And then the Bill of Rights in England there shortly thereafter uh, talked about excessive bail and kind of set some more parameters on what you could do. Right. Yeah. Habeas corpus. Remember, we did that podcast on that. Indeed. Kind of huge. Uh, but yeah, that created the idea of bail for sure. money or money as bail. And then in the United States, we adopted a lot of the um, the the English common law that had to do with bail and, and jailing and all that. Uh, and we came up with the uh, Judiciary Act of what, 1789? Yes, and what I found most interesting is that that sucker stayed in effect and fairly unchanged till 1966. Yeah, that's a long time. It is, but I mean, it's it's pretty basic stuff. It's if you are arrested uh, and you're not a threat to the community, you should be able to post bail. Yeah, uh, because you know people like their money. Sure, and you want your money back. That's the whole point of the thing. If you you're saying here's five thousand dollars. I'll be back for my court date because you are going to give me that $5,000 back. Right. Right? Right. Um, so, yeah, it did remain unchanged until 1966, although it was put into the Eighth Amendment that people would be granted bail and that bail would not be excessive. And that's the same one that contains the cute little provision about um, n- no uh, cruel or unusual punishment. Right. So, 66, it changed some, and then in 1984, it changed again. And what we ended up with was... Uh, some loopholes were closed that allowed dangerous people to go free. Uh, more limits were imposed on uh, judges, and they basically made it to where uh, nonviolent criminals were the ones most apt to get bail. And if you were a violent criminal, your bail was probably pretty large or denied. Right. And uh, originally, if you were accused of a capital crime where you could get the death penalty, you couldn't have bail. And I'm pretty sure that still remains in effect. Yeah. But, yeah, and uh, there's a lot of places, um, especially huge metropolitan areas like, say, Los Angeles, um, that have bail schedules. There's yeah. just so many people coming in and out of the doors sure. that they're like, oh, perjury? Well, then that's a $5,000 bail. They just literally look it up on their chart right? follow their little finger across right? until they get to kidnap with intent to rape. Right. And then what was that one, actually? $1 million sure, and in it, L.A. It should be pretty high. I would think so. Right. So, Chuck, let's say someone is caught kidnapping and they have some sort of malicious intent associated with it. Sure. And their bail set at a million dollars. They have a million dollars. Say they have an Amex black card. Right. Right? <laughs> Good for them. They can slap that puppy down and pay what's called a cash bail. Yes. Many places. Do. I bet that they would rack up on Sky Miles. <laughs> yeah, a, right. ba- a bad criminal who gets caught a lot. Sure. With uh, a black <laughs> Amex card. Yeah. But they do. Some places do accept checks and credit cards or... Just good old fashioned greenbacks, right? But let's say that you have a million dollars, or you don't. Your, your bail is a million dollars, but you can only come up with a hundred grand in cash, right? Yes. Who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. No. A bail bondsman, Josh, or a bailer. Right. It's another name. Yeah. You remember uh, in Athens, there were like uh, t-shirts. Oh yeah. Bail bond t-shirts, and they give you like a ten percent discount if what was you the name were of that wearing one? it. I can't remember. I mean, that they were literally, it was an institution in Athens. I can't believe yeah. I can't remember that. I, I don't either. They had matchbooks in all the bars. Yeah, they were very famous, actually. Yeah. Did you ever have one of those? Did they help you out, or was that in Athens? It wasn't in Athens okay. that I was arrested. No more questions. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you off on this one. So, Chuck, what, what, when you call a bail bondsman, uh, what, you're, what they're going to put up is a surety bond. Remember, we talked about a surety is somebody who um, 
says, I will cover this person's bail. Yeah, and that's basically the bail bondsman, and they are backed by an insurance company, a very special insurance company. Obviously, they don't have just a regular State Farm policy. Right. And uh, they are now on the hook for you appearing in court, and they have to pay that uh, you know huge sum of money if you don't show. Right. So they'll take a 10% premium. Sure. Well, yeah, that's why they do it. And that's on top of everything else, right? Yeah. And then uh, they'll put up the money or they'll say – actually, they don't put up the money. They say, I will put up the money. I, like you said, I'm on the hook now. Right. Um, but they'll also take some collateral maybe, like a title to your parents' house or the, the title to your car, some jewelry or whatever. They will also, Josh, get friends and family involved to help chip in. And uh, so that way if they're kind of on the line, they think the person will show up for court. Right, yeah. You're you're kind of um, indebted to your parents for bailing you out and putting their house up. You don't want your poor parents to lose their house, right? Exactly. Um, you can also do – we'll get to more on that, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You can also do released on, cita- on citation where the cop just basically – it's like the same – a traffic ticket is a released on citation bail, That's my favorite kind of bail. Is it? Sure. My favorite is the kind where they're like, you know what? I'm not even going to give you this ticket. Just go <laughs> just, ahead. Just be careful, son. Are, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, that's my favorite. Uh, there's released on uh, recognizance. Sure. That's when, yeah, that's when you actually are booked and arrested, but the uh, crime is probably not so severe and definitely not violent. And they'll say, eh, we trust that you'll show up. You're not a flight risk. Right. Don't worry about paying anything. And then uh, we, we talked about how your parents can give their house title as collateral to a bounty hunter. Yeah. You can actually do that in to some states. To a bail states. bondsman. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Uh, you can do that in some states with the, the um, jail directly. Oh, really? Uh, through a property bond. On the spot. Yeah. The court places a lien in the amount of the bail against right. your, say, your house or your land or whatever. Um, and if you skip, then they can foreclose on it and actually sell it to get their money back. Wow. Yeah. So will they use, if you have, like you said, the $500, if your bail was 50000 would you give that 500 to the bail bondsman? Is that how that works? Yeah. What they do is, let's say you're, um, usually they charge 10% premium. Right. So. That's just their fee, right? That's just their fee. Okay. Uh, because it's a 10%, uh, it's 10% usually of the bail. Right. People assume that um, what you're doing is you've just carved out 10% and then, you know, they, they you, you don't owe them any more. Not true. No. This is 10% on top of the bail. So if it's $50,000, the 10% will be $5,000. And that's just the money they took for saying, I'll, I'll cover you. Yeah. It's basically loan interest. Exactly. Very quick and, ex- and urgent loan. Right. Interest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it is. It's very, it's, it's a loan. They're loaning you yeah. your freedom, basically. Sure. Um, Chuck, dealing with uh, bail bondsmen is um, the most common way to get out of jail. Yeah. Uh, you know, people can't come up with a five grand bail, but they can usually come up with a $500 premium. Sure. You, that's the the whole deal. And we'll get into that later about the poor, but uh, not very many people can afford their bail. Right. Even if they're rich fat cats, they will often set the bail. I just saw the record was last October. Did you see that? Uh-uh. The, uh, the guy's name, he was the head of the uh, Galleon Group. And they were apparently did some insider trading, Raj, Rajaratnam, and he set the record in October, $100 million bail. Wow. Bernie Madoff's is only $10 million, if that tells you Wow. So he had 20 mil to put down as his, I guess, deposit. Yeah. And the judge said, all right, you can hang out. And the bail bondsman was like, yes. Score. Because <laughs> that's 20, that's pure profit to him. Pure profit. Um, and when you're dealing with the bail bondsmen, there's some things you want to look for. I mean, they're, they're business people. 
um, they deal with some of the uh, seedier quarters of society, right? Yeah, but it's a real business. And the documents are very real as well. And yes. you want to very you at the very least you want to be aware of what you're signing in most cases and you definitely want to read it as well. Yeah, most you can't really are, negotiate it. No. You're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. But you have to be aware of what you're signing when you sign the sure. bail bond contract um, because it is a, an extremely powerful and pretty much airtight contract. Uh, we'll get to exactly all it entails in uh, in the Bounty Hunter episode. Yeah. But just it, this isn't like, hey, I'll come back for court. That's not all that that thing says. No, you're signing away certain rights. and that is, Big ones. That's the teaser for Thursday's show. Yeah. So, um, Chuck, you also want to uh, make sure that a bail bondsman that you're dealing with um, will be responsive to questions from your family. Oh, yeah. Is easily contacted. Sure. Has a cell phone. That kind of thing. And if you get the impression that your bail bondsman is not going to um, be there for you, uh-huh. then you, you want to move along and find an, another one that you feel more comfortable with. And every town is lousy with bail bondsmen. Because every town is lousy. Well, not every town, but many towns are lousy with crime. Sure. And that one leads to the other. So, Josh, the other thing you should do if you go to hire a bail bondsman is, uh, like if you were hiring any personal contractor. Mm-hmm. Look at their ID, Get their uh, make sure they're registered or licensed if they have to be. I think you have to be licensed in every state now, right, if it's legal? Uh, yeah, there are states where it's not legal. We'll get to that in a second. Oh, okay. So check out their creds. Um, ask for detailed explanations of um, any kind of fees in addition to the 10%. You don't want get, to get a bill at the end that says, oh, well, you had to pay for this, this, and this as well. Right. So just make sure it's on the level, and like you said, make sure that they communicate with you regularly. Right. Um, and if you, if you aren't comfortable with who you're, who you're talking to, yeah. again, just move along unless there's a, you're in a state, one of four states in the union that just do not allow a commercial bail bond market whatsoever. And where's that? There, uh, Wisconsin, Oregon, yeah. Illinois, and Kentucky all yeah. have laws on the books that outlaw commercial bail bonding. Um, Wisconsin does it in a roundabout way, uh-huh. which says that no surety, remember the person that gets you out, yeah, yeah, uh, can be compensated for being a surety. And, well, that's how they make their money in sure, the sure. bail bond market. So there's that. Um, and then, say, like Kentucky it expressly outlaws the bail bond industry. Wow. Yeah. So in those states, you have to put up your own money or a property yeah. bond or something like that. Or I imagine they probably have higher rates of being released on your own recognizance. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Or maybe you're just SOL if you're in Kentucky. Well, if you're um, poor, Chuck, you're SOL in the United States. Very true. We were talking about the uh, NPR report by Laura Sullivan. Yeah. I got to say, I think everybody should go read this. It, 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 really, it really exposed a racket in the U.S., between um, the criminal court system and bail bondsmen. Yeah, they used um, Broward County, Florida as a really great example because they had a situation down there where they were kind of a situation that's all over the country. Jails are full. Uh, tax da- dollars are, like, people are paying tons of money to keep these people. $9 billion a year in yeah. the U.S. $115 a day is what it costs to jail someone, at least in Broward County. Yeah. Per inmate. Yeah. That's like a... You know, not the worst hotel in the world. No, and there are alternatives, specifically uh, pre-trial programs. Yes, and that is when they release people with um, sometimes it's GPS or uh, ankle monitoring systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you just have to call in or 
text when they're home and stay within a certain radius of their home. And it was a huge, huge success. Right. Uh, and then it dried up. All funding for it dried up except for just the tiniest amount. Right. Why? Because of bribes. Well, not bribes. <laughs> we should COA here. Because bail bondsmen rallied together and um, hired a lobbyist. Right. And they wrote a bunch of checks to the Broward County commissioners. Yeah, the commissioners and the mayor as well, right? And actually, Chuck, the uh, the the mayor of the commissioners, the head of the board of commissioners, yeah. uh, four days before this vote on pretrial funding, um, got 15 checks totaling five grand wow. from local bail bondsmen well, there for you his have campaign. It. Gotcha. Yeah. And pre-trial, it was it was uh, it cost about two dollars a day. Where you said that keeping someone in jail yeah. costs one hundred and fifteen a day. Yeah, they were able to shut down a twenty million dollar wing of their jail. Mm-hmm. It was that popular and successful of a program. But the problem is, because it was popular and successful, there were people who normally would have gone to a bail bondsman uh, to get out of jail who sure. were just getting out through the pre-trial, pretrial program. So like you said, they got a lobbyist who was actually also a lobbyist for the Board of Commissioners and got the whole thing shut down, basically. There's Unbelievable. There's like a few people who are still in the program, um, but it's not nearly what it used to be, even though it was a, a success. Yeah. So there's one way that bail bondsmen are man- manipulating the system. Um, in another part of that NPR report, uh, people in Lubbock, Texas were profiled, and these people... Like their their bail, their bond, right, would have been like seventy five bucks, because uh-huh. they had like seven hundred and fifty dollar bail. But these are very very poor people that can't come up with seventy five bucks. Wow, they don't have anybody to borrow it from. Yeah, so they're rotting in jail for months. Uh, one guy stole forty dollars worth of blankets because he was cold in his station wagon uh-huh. one night. Um, and he's been in jail for four months. So thousands and thousands of dollars. Thousands to keep him of in jail. dollars. And the reason is, is, is these bails, bail bondsmen are saying this is a cutthroat industry and, uh, we can't afford to let anybody, uh, who would potentially be a customer slip through. Right. So that means that people who can't afford to be a customer don't have the option of pretrial because it was shut down. Um, so they get to stay right. in jail at the taxpayer expense. Sure. To benefit only the, the bail, bail bond industry. Yeah. And, you know, I'm all for capitalism and someone earning a buck. I'm not anti-bail bondsman. Not at the expense of someone's freedom. Well, and the fact that it's if you're talking about the bail bondsman, maybe a few of them shutting down or costing the taxpayers billions of dollars, it's just there's it's a no-brainer. No, it isn't. But, again, powerful lobby. Uh, as as uh, Laura Anderson points out, the you know most uh, indigent inmates don't have a lobby. Well, yeah, and I think she said 50% of people in jail are the only reason they're in jail is because they can't afford bail. Yeah. And that's at least in Broward County. Yeah. So billions of dollars in taxpayer money, months and months of freedom for inmates um, or incarceration for inmates. Sure. And the bail bond industry is is thriving, right? Yep. There is another way that they are thriving, actually, Chuck. Um, They don't pay up when people run. What? Yeah. What do you mean? So as part of a kind of a punishment in most states, uh-huh. if you're a bail bondsman and you're somebody skips, yeah, um, you're supposed to automatically pay that say five thousand dollars. Sure, they don't. Well, in I most cases, that's when what they was do all pay for, no, no. So they keep the premium, uh-huh. a ten percent premium. Yeah, and then sometimes they, uh, well, in most cases, they negotiate. Really, um, with the county. 
Yeah, uh, about 5% of the actual bail is what they end up paying. So that means that they got a 10% premium, right? Mm-hmm. They made 5% of that for doing nothing. Right. That's it. They, well, don't, I imagine they don't have to pay out any money. They're insured anyway, though, so even when they do have to pay out, they're not really paying out, right? Right. I'm sure their insurance premiums are sky high, but right. I'm sure we're going to hear from a bail bondsman. Right. I would like to, actually. Well, Chuck, let's uh, let's go on to the next uh, episode Two days from now. Well, I have a quick question. Okay. Because my favorite all-time movie, comedy, is Midnight Run. Really? Oh, yeah. Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. Sure. And is probably the best bounty hunter movie ever made. In that movie, the bounty hunter, Joey Pants, hired... Oh, I'm sorry. The bail bondsman hired two bounty hunters to cover the same case. And that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. Right. The great John Ashton. Opposite De Niro. Is that true? Can that happen? Uh, it depends, yeah. Really? Sure, you can have uh, freelance bounty hunters uh, running your cases. Well, I thought it said in the article that they, they try to keep ethical boundaries set because it's no good. Right, but you can. Okay. Depending. Caused a have, lot of problems in the movie. Have you ever seen Dead Man? Oh, yeah. Caused a lot of problems in that movie, too. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Specifically one smushed head. Yes. God, I love that movie. I do, too. Do you know, it took me uh, probably five or six times of seeing it before I realized it's actually a dark comedy. Uh, there's some funny parts, for sure. No, watch it like that. Like, the whole thing is a dark comedy right. from beginning to end. It's Great nuts. soundtrack, too, by the way. Yeah. I have that, the great Neil Young. I'm not a big Neil Young fan, but I even like that soundtrack. Well, because he doesn't sing. So, uh, <laughs> here we go, yeah. Okay, well, Chuck, that's it for bail right now, right? Yeah. It'll, um, it'll come up here or there when we talk about bounty hunters in two days. But uh, in the meantime, what? Is it time for listener mail? It is, Josh. Josh, I'm going to call this uh, blood transfusion from Jehovah's Witness. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's not from a Jehovah's Witness, but it's a good story. This is from uh, Mito, and Mito is Portuguese. Yes. This is from Portugal. Cool. <laughs> Hello, guys. I heard your podcast about organ donation, and you mentioned Jehovah's Witnesses not being big on blood transfusion. I have a little scoop on that. My father is a doctor in Brazil, and many years ago, he came home all shaken up. Uh, when he told us his story, he revealed that he uh, came upon an accident where a small kid uh, came into his operating room, managed to stabilize the kid, and all he needed was a blood transfusion, and he would go home in a few days. And I know you know where this is headed. The kid's family was Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. They argued with the father um, for hours and basically said very clearly we would rather him die than get a blood transfusion. So uh, like any good doctor, the or I don't know if that's true or not, but like this doctor did, he basically went against their wishes and gave the kid a transfusion without the parents knowing it. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The parents got really mad and were ready to take his medical license but the kid awoke by that time smiling. Seeing this, the parents started crying. Thanked my father for saving his life. More than 10 years later, uh, they still receive Christmas gifts. My dad does from them every year. Wow. So they were like, oh, wait, this is kind of nice, actually. <laughs> my son lives. Well, you remember the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the blood becomes impure once it leaves yeah, the body. sure. Yeah. Seemed to help out this guy. Yeah. Seemed, didn't seem too impure to me. So uh, he attached a picture of his father and says... Uh, this is one of many stories that turned my father into a hero while I was a boy. He saves lives for a living. Lives for a living doesn't that make him a hero? Oh, definitely. And I say absolutely. And he emailed back and he said his dad also gave a big pin tracheotomy one time. 
Awesome. So this dude is on the scene. I told you about a friend of mine whose uh, mom got an emergency tracheotomy with a steak knife and a straw. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So kudos to you, uh, Mito, and to your father. And he also sent a picture of his little nephew, Lucas, who he just welcomed into the world. I saw it. And whom his father delivered. Nice. So he, he does a little bit of everything. Yeah, he sounds like a pretty good guy. And a hero indeed. Well, if you have a great hero story, Chuck and I want to hear it, right? Yes. Just don't make it up. Please don't. You can put it in an email and send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?